Join me in our gospel lesson for today coming from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. In verse 1, it says, Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several other disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I am going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard, heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. Uh, I've struggled a lot for writing uh, a sermon today. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have just hit a wall. I've just hit a wall. I'm not quite sure how to describe it. You might feel similar. It's just a wall. It's a wall where my days feel longer and um, my temper feels a little bit shorter. A wall where uh, my emotions feel just beyond what I'm able to control. Uh, where I'm slow to celebrate and I'm quick to criticize. Uh, a wall where I feel like my brain is processing a little bit slower and my heart is processing a little bit more skeptically. Uh, and my body is so over sitting in a chair and staring at my computer and Zoom all day. Um, it's a, it's a wall I didn't choose, like all of this, the, the quarantine, the isolation, the distancing, the online everything, it, it was chosen for us. It's not something we chose. And, and so it, it's this season of life that's it's so hard to plan every day. Uh, sometimes every hour there seems like there's a new plan or a new idea of what moving forward looks like. And uh, none of it seems to be super helpful in uh, predicting the future. This wall, it's exposing parts of me that are sometimes, uh, I'm, I'm just way too busy to see them. Uh, in the last few weeks, and, and maybe you can relate to this, some of this, um, I have found myself in the last few weeks uh, grasping for control of the weirdest things, like over caring what my kids eat or what my kitchen counters look like or how many paper towels people use for jobs that just do not require that many squares of paper towel. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this week and the lady being interviewed, she said this line, she said, we only try to control the things that we don't trust. And I had to pull over in a parking lot and I had to sit on that one for a little while. Uh, I don't know what it is for you, 
but this wall, uh, it's exposing my lack of trust and that makes me feel tired and that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Uh, I have hit a wall and I'm guessing, maybe I'm hoping I'm not alone, but, but I'm guessing that I'm not alone here. Each week since Easter, we've been looking at the uh, resurrection stories, stories where the resurrected Jesus comes to his people. And uh, this week is one of my favorites ever. I think I may have preached on John 21 more than any other uh, text since the beginning of Springbrook. I, I love it. I think... Um, that when I was trying to write today uh, for the sermon today, I just felt like I'd said everything that could be said about this story, everything that I knew. But I think Jesus, uh, it turned out, had a lot to say to me personally, and I hope to you through this story. So here are some reflections on my favorite story of uh, Jesus and his fisherman friends post-resurrection. Uh, last week, uh, Jesus and the disciples, they were in Jerusalem. And everyone is starting to believe that he has really risen from the dead. Uh, by the time we get to John 20 and John, uh, from John 20 to John 21, the disciples, they've gone from Jerusalem uh, to Capernaum, to the Sea of Galilee, uh, which is 80 miles, 80 miles. The disciples have walked 80 miles. I tried to do research on how long this took or how uh, they made journeys and did things like that uh, back in the day. But the best thing I read about this journey was this. Um, the, the person wrote, they said, how did they walk 80 miles? They took one step and then another. One step and then another. It's, it's how we do things. It's how we get from point A to point B, one step and then another. I found some comfort in that. Uh, and in Capernaum, Peter, he makes this announcement. Uh, he says he's going fishing. And maybe I'm filling in too many blanks here or projecting on Peter, but uh, I, I read the story so many times this week and I just kept coming to the same conclusion that I think Peter hit a wall. I think he hit a wall. I think that the, the fear and the anxiety of the arrest and the trial of Jesus and, and the disappointment and humility in Peter of his own denial and uh, the devastation and the death of hope that came after the crucifixion and, and then the confusion and excitement and celebration of the resurrection. I think all of those feelings and all of those things, I think they came crashing in. And I think Peter did what he'd always done when things felt wildly out of control. He fished. It's okay to amen here if that's the same thing for you. Um, I've found in the last 50 however many days that we've been quarantining, my husband and sons are fishing constantly. Uh, the truth is we ha all have some version of fishing. We have some place that we go or something that we do in order to deal with the pain or the confusing or even just the overwhelmed of our lives. Uh, the past few weeks, they've been like a magnifying, for that, a magnifying glass for that kind of stuff, haven't they? like the good things uh, that we have stopped using for pleasure or delight like they were meant for and have started using like they have the ability to heal us. The inclination that we have to eat more or scroll more or binge watch more or drink just a little bit more or exercise or work or clean or whatever it is for you, a little bit more to try and numb or just for a moment, uh, the reality of where we are in the world. It might not be fishing for you, but we all have a place that we go when we aren't sure where else to go. 
uh, theologians sometimes give Peter and the disciples a really hard time for returning to fishing. Jesus told them that they would spend their lives fishing for men instead of fish. And so these theologians, they're like, where's their purpose and where's their faith and where's their calling? Uh, But I don't know that I believe it's a totally fair criticism. It, It makes so much sense to me that they return to what they know best in an attempt to try and regain a new grip, some sort of control over their lives. We all do some version of this. They're lost in the confusion of grief and celebration. Maybe for them, being on the water uh, is more of a recalibration than it is a resignation. I don't know. So Peter, with six of his friends, they jump in a boat and they push out into the place that I am guessing he feels most comfortable in the world. They push out into the water, his water, the Sea of Galilee, and they spend the whole night there fishing the waters that he'd fished for his entire life. He knows the deep parts and he knows the shallows. He knows the patterns and the rhythms of the fish and the seasons and the water. He knows this water and he knows these fish. And yet nothing happens. The sea does not sympathize with him. The night does not do what he hoped it would do. We all know this feeling, right? There are times that the thing that I hope will be a balm to my soul does not soothe me the way that I hoped it would soothe me. When morning comes, uh, they hear a voice from the shore. Throw your net to the other side of the boat and you'll get some fish. I I can't believe they do it. I I try to do that sometimes with Daniel. Daniel fly fishes, uh, but he's colorblind and that makes for a tricky relationship. And so I try to offer him what I assume are incredibly helpful, can't live without them tips on how he could see fish better for more luck out on the river. And what I'm learning is that those tips from someone who has never fly fished a day in her life really aren't helpful at all. For the second time, a carpenter has offered advice on fishing to this group of men. Peter's story, it, uh, in the scriptures, it begins with a long night of no fish. And there's a man, a stranger on the shore, telling him to throw his nets to the other side. And here in this last intimate moment with Jesus, we have the same story. The writer, Ken Geyer, thinks that Jesus set up the entire moment just for Peter. The whole moment, the no fish, the other side of the boat, the charcoal breakfast around a fire, charcoal fire breakfast, reminiscent of the charcoal fire where he did his very worst thing and denied his love and friendship with Jesus. The whole morning might just have been for Peter a morning to uh, remind him, a morning to give him a fresh grip on life. Jesus tells them to throw their nets to the other side. It's an invitation into something better. It's what Jesus is always doing. He never is forcing anyone to do anything, but he's always inviting, inviting them, inviting us, all of us, into a better and deeper and more, more full and more free life in the kingdom of God a more full and more free. The scriptures uh, use the word abundant life. Abundant life is what we're meant for. Fishing out of the same side of the boat, it wasn't working for Peter and the disciples. Jesus comes and says, throw it to the other side. Uh, For me, that's what the last 50 days have been. 
That's what they felt like. Uh, an invitation from God to his children. God saying, oh, you're tired. I hear you. You're fruitless and exhausted or disappointed or disillusioned with the way that you've been doing your life. Throw your nets to the other side. Take a minute and throw your nets to the other side. Here's the chance that you have secretly been daydreaming of. Learn how to fish for just a little while on the other side of the boat. Uh, this quarantine, it, it isn't God's judgment. I believe he is taking uh, what is meant to destroy and he's redeeming it in order to put us back together. God never wastes a rescue. He never wastes a rescue. He is using uh, this insane time in our lives. And I believe that one of the things that God's up to in this is offering us the mercy uh, to learn to trust that there are better ways, uh, slower ways, more free ways of doing things. And I want to ask you the same question I keep asking myself. Are you listening? Are you listening to the voice on the shore saying to throw uh, the, the wisdom, to throw your nets to the other side, to learn a new way of fishing for a little while? Are you listening? John, uh, the writer of our, our scripture today, he says he realizes first that the stranger on the shore is Jesus, but it's Peter who dives in the water. He jumps in the water and he swims and he runs the football field length to Jesus. In my mind, uh, his tears are mixed with the water of the sea as he races uh, toward the shore to meet the one who is waiting on him to feed him breakfast. Jesus is there with breakfast. He's there with hope. Uh, the story goes on uh, beyond what Chad read. The story goes on to this really intimate and breathtaking moment where Jesus, without shaming or guilting or shooting on Peter, he offers him forgiveness and release and reminds him of his purpose. The moment where Jesus lets Peter undo his denial three times with professions of love and where three times Jesus reminds Peter that he has not given up on him, that Peter was still his plan. The breakfast, it's a, it's a recharge. It's, it's a new hope and a new perspective, a fresh grip, fuel for what's coming. Jesus has reminded his friends that there's a better way. Not that fishing is bad, I don't think that Peter never again steps onto a fishing boat. It's just the reminder that fishing can only be exactly what it is. Fishing can meet you at the wall, but on its own, it cannot bring you through it. It's the same for all of the things that we replace with fishing. They can meet us at the wall, but on their own, they cannot bring us through it. Jesus, he uses these, uh, this moment to speak purpose and calling and charge into Peter's life. He brings him through the wall by reminding him of two things, of love and of purpose. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep and my lambs and tend to them. And here's the thing that I want to remember that I need to remember this week. That no matter how things feel, uh, Jesus always shows up on the shore, reminding me that his way uh, leads to a heck of a lot more fish, more abundance, even when I don't expect it or think I deserve it. Because in the kingdom of God, abundance is truly abundance. And purpose, it doesn't die because I feel out of touch with it. So people of Springbrook hear this. 
this is not the time to stop looking and listening for the voice of Jesus in your life. He is always on the shore, always, always on the shore. He is always offering a bounty of fish to us in the middle of the wall. He is always inviting us into something better and deeper and wider than we could ever dream of because the kingdom in the kingdom of God, abundance is truly abundance. He's always inviting us to breakfast and then speaking release and freedom and love and purpose over our lives. This hasn't stopped. The purpose for your life has not stopped. It was created and formed in you, every single one of you by God. uh, And it doesn't die because we feel out of touch with it. My inability to hear from Jesus right now isn't because he has stopped talking. It's because I'm sitting out in my boat of distrust or hopelessness or loneliness or anxiety or overproduction or underproduction or whatever your boat looks like. It's because I'm sitting out in my boat of distrust, listening to the wall instead of looking to the shore. It's because I have chosen resignation over surrender. As followers of Jesus, abundant life isn't sitting bitter in our boats, resigned uh, to life with very little purpose or joy or hope. Jesus says, I came to bring you life and life to the full. And I think that following Jesus into that full and free life looks like seeing uh, that the nets aren't working and then listening for the voice of God and throwing them wherever it is that he tells us to. It looks like taking a new grip with tired hands, running to the shore where he stands with a new outlook, a a reminder of purpose, a new and a fresh hope. Side note, if some of you uh, are, if your version of fishing is something that um, is destroying you or destroying the people around you, and we've all been in moments like that, we want to pray for you. I know it looks different now and you can't come to the front and get prayer, um, but you can uh, click on any prayer button on any page that we have, and we would love to pray for you. So uh, here's what I want to do for our Selah. We do, we do a Selah every week, and it's just like a pause and a breath um, at the end of our service. And so for today, what I want to do is I, I want to read you this verse that, um, that I love. It's a verse I put on my fridge months ago because I thought it sounded good, and I wanted to memorize it, but I didn't memorize it. Um, but it has been a true balm for my weary soul for the last 50 days. Um, it's my reminder that uh, I am being invited to throw my net to the other side. I am being invited to remember what I was made for. I'm being invited to hear the voice of Jesus. That, uh, that it's also a reminder that the things I'm using to make myself feel whole isn't what's best for my soul. They can only do what they can do. It's also become my prayer for you during this season of life that as I think of you and pray for you, this is what I'm asking God for you. So uh, here it is. It comes from Hebrews 12 and um, it's a blessing for you. So Hebrews 12, it starts with verse 12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. 
Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Since we are receiving the kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him in holy fear and awe. Amen.